Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Locals to Legends Wrestling Radio, brought to you by Rockstar Records, 810 East Main Street, Tupelo, Mississippi, 662-269-3745. Welcome to Locals to Legends Podcast with your host, the voice of $10 Wrestling, noted author that has never been published, and the heaviest CWA light heavyweight champion in history, the king of all wrestling media, Gene Jackson, and his co-host, the star of Taylor TV, the man who has wrestled Jerry Lawler 1,239 times and never won, Neil the Real Deal Taylor. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locals to Legends Wrestling Radio. I'm your host, the king of all wrestling media, Gene Jackson, and I am joined, as always, by my podcast co-host and tag team partner, Neil, the real deal, Taylor. How you doing this evening, Neil? Man, I'm worn out already. Uh, uh, we were talking before we went on the air. I actually went to watch the Super Bowl this year, <laughs> and it's, it's just went off not long ago, and... Uh, I'm I'm exhausted already. That was a pretty exciting game, especially there toward the end. So was it a better finish than the Royal Rumble then? Yeah, it was it was a lot better finish than the Royal Rumble. The uh um uh, well, I don't know. The heels came back and win. They come back and and won. So <laughs> um I I don't know the 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 babyface uh Atlanta Falcons, they uh they got a little too excited on the first half and pretty much handed it away on the, <laughs> the end. But, uh, well, uh, you know. You got to make the Patriots look I'll, strong, right? <laughs> I guess so, because they, uh, I don't know. The baby faces looked strong in the beginning, and the heels came back and, and, and took over. So, um, but like I've always said, and I've made this argument a bunch of times about, about football and my feelings on whether or not they know you know, how much they know going into the game about the outcome of the game. And when we went into, when the game went into halftime, it was, I think it was 28, uh, 28-3 Atlanta was winning. And then before you know it, the, uh, here comes the Patriots. So, but, uh, you know, if, if, if football was that exciting every game, I could probably get into watching it, but, uh, <laughs> Probably be the same thing next year. I won't be watching much football. Yeah, yeah. I just assumed that uh, you and I were probably the only two guys in the world that weren't watching the Super Bowl. It turns out it was just me. So now I kind of feel like an <laughs> idiot. You know, maybe I, maybe I should have watched it so we could have talked about the Super Bowl a little more in depth during the <laughs> beginning, and maybe it not wouldn't have been quite as much of a train wreck as our discussion of the Royal Rumble last. <laughs> last oh week. my lord! And said, now I'm like. Now I'm like Jax. I'm the guy with the one-word answer over here. And I'm like, what would you think of the Super Bowl? <laughs> eh. Bullshit. To <laughs> work. But uh, this is hard. I don't. But, I don't know if Jax really understands the the thought behind somebody inviting you onto a radio show to discuss an event. <laughs> well, bless his heart. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. What else do you think? The table, bullshit. The, the table's turned in a bad way. Anyway. But um, exactly. how did, was uh, was uh, BB the cat? Was she happy with the outcome of the Kitty Bowl? 
Well, you know, there was wasn't, certainly there. wasn't as much of an uproar uh, about the Kitty Bowl as there was when, when Cena won the, the belt at Royal Rumble. Uh, Roxy was a little more into it than BB was. BB finally just went over and laid down on the couch and went to sleep. Roxy sat there like she had money on it, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and uh, she seen, <laughs> she her eyes didn't leave the screens. I'm pretty sure she had some catnip on it or something, but... She seemed pretty happy with the end. BB was pretty indifferent, like she is with most everything in life. So. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we may skip the Super Bowl, but you you got to watch the Kitten Bowl around here. Uh, they're not they're not having it. So. But anyway, uh, you know we've been. Well, I guess we'll get right into this here at the beginning, and then we'll we'll kind of roll on, but. You know, we've been teasing for a few days now that, that we got a big announcement, and um, I know I'm excited about it, and I'm pretty sure you're excited about it because it's, it's uh, somebody that, that we've both become a big fan of as of late and is certainly relevant in the world of pro wrestling podcasting as much as anybody could possibly be. So I guess we'll go ahead and put it out there right now, uh, next Sunday night, when you're sitting here listening to us at, at 10 p.m. on uh, February the 12th, we will be joined uh, by none other than Mr. Hey Hey himself, Conrad Thompson, is going to be right here on Locals to Legends Wrestling Radio. Neil, what do you think about that, man? The man, I'm absolutely stoked about this. Uh, of course, the, you know, Conrad and, uh, and uh, Ric Flair, the, the – old Ric Flair show that was on podcast one pretty much is what got me um, hooked on podcasting along with the Stone Cold podcast, but um, a big fan of, of Conrad, whether he's uh, doing the show with Rick, doing the, sh- doing the, the show with Bruce Pritchard, which is just totally blown up. I think, um, I think I read the other day that somewhere in the neighborhood of, they did like 2 million downloads in, in January. So, that, I mean, that's, that's huge. Wow. That's like, uh, I mean, that's that's Steve Austin numbers. So. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. And, and, I mean, that's huge. And then, uh, of course, you know, he just recently started the the podcast with Tony Schiavone talking about old WCW stories, which I heard the uh, I listened to the to the um, the first episode last week where they were talking about everything Goldberg, and it was. I'm typically not a very big Goldberg fan. But uh, the it was it was pretty interesting to hear them talk about uh, Goldberg and 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 some of how they you know how WCW dropped the ball on them and I guess one of the most interesting stories to come from that was um, they were talking about uh, you know the decision to to call Goldberg Goldberg and Tony Schiavone actually said that um, Goldberg it, it wasn't until halfway through his first match on Nitro that they were told what to call him. <laughs> they didn't even know what to, they didn't even know what to call him. And uh, he And even then they Bischoff didn't really know him. like Shivani just calls in the headphones and is like, What do I call this guy? And Bischoff's like, just call him Goldberg. <laughs> it's like that even wasn't thought <laughs> out. It was just God, leave me alone. Call him Goldberg. I don't care. Whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. But that was the most interesting part of that to me. And, uh, you know, Shivani actually said if you go back and listen, if you go back and watch the match, the first match on Nitro that he had, that they make no mention of his name until halfway through it. And I guess watching it, I never really realized it. But 
I'm going to have to go back and yeah. watch that match to, to, <laughs> to catch that. But super excited that, uh, that Conrad is going to join us here um, next week. Um, got a ton of questions um, for Conrad. If anybody, if anybody has any questions that they want us to ask Conrad, uh, make sure and email uh, email those in uh, so that we can get those get those on the list to uh, to be asked. But yeah, I'm 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 stoked. I can't wait for next week. Well, you know it's funny, and and I'll go ahead and mention this this here live is when me and Neil first uh, started kicking around the idea of doing a podcast together, um, and and then started talking about well, hey, who's some guests we could get? Um, the first like dream guest for Neil that he mentioned wasn't like, hey, do you think we could get Hogan or, you know, Bischoff or, you know, <laughs> Samoa Joe or something? The first name, I swear to God, people may think I'm lying. The first name Neil mentioned is like, do you have any, uh, ins- you know, insight on how to get a hold of Conrad Thompson? Do you know him or anything like that? And and oddly enough, um, we have a couple of mutual friends because for me, being you know, I know at wrestle from a wrestling fan's perspective, everybody knows him for the the you know resume that Neil just ran down for you know the Ric Flair show, the Woo Nation, and then the Ric Flair podcast, and then Bruce Pritchard's podcast, now Shivani's podcast. Uh, but living in North Alabama, I've been listening to Conrad Thompson on the radio for several years, um, advertising First Family Mortgage in Huntsville, uh, being on the air with the morning radio show there, talking with them and joking and. and what I found interesting about him is he would find ways to work wrestling <laughs> mentions into, I mean, they would be talking about first family mortgage and he would somehow shoehorn a, a wrestling mention in there, which I always thought was cool. And, and uh, I, I started paying more attention whenever he came on just to see what kind of, or, you know, wrestling stuff he would, he would bring up. And then, like I say, um, Matt Mitchell, Cassio Kid, who's a DJ over in Huntsville and used to be on the Rick and Bubba show and all that, me and him have done comedy together. And him and Conrad are really good friends. So uh, when I hit Conrad up about coming on our little podcast, I, I mentioned uh, our mutual friend, uh, Matt Mitchell, and uh, he immediately agreed to do it, and um, and he suggested next Sunday. So I think it's really cool he's doing the podcast because when him and Bruce Pritchard are getting two million downloads, he doesn't need a rub from Gene and Neil <laughs> to promote their podcast. He's just doing it because he's a nice guy and uh, and he feels like he's going to have some fun on our show. And I think we will too because there's plenty of stuff to talk to him about. Uh, just just hearing how he wrangles Ric Flair through a podcast is the main thing I'm excited to hear because I'm sure that is way way more work than anyone can truly appreciate <laughs> that he's gone through doing that. I can't imagine because, I mean, I've listened to most – well, honestly, probably I've listened to every podcast that they've generated, whether it be the Flair podcast or the Bruce Pritchard podcast. I've listened to all of them. And, man, some of those Rick Flair podcasts, I mean, you can hear him in restaurants. You can hear him in restaurants <laughs> while he's eating. You can – there was one podcast in particular that uh, I mean, there were. There's no doubt about it. Flair was drinking all the way through it, and by the end of it, like he's telling people he loves them, and I mean, the guy is drunk. <laughs> I mean, no doubt, he's hammered. So, you know, I can only imagine it's only a testament to Conrad that how in the world you would you could uh, get through a get through a, a hour and a half, two hour conversation with a with Ric Flair. So I'm anxious to hear, to hear, uh, hear about that too. And 
um, as well as, uh, you know, how the Bruce Pritchard um, podcast came to be and, you know, some of that kind of thing and, and, and how that's put together because I, from the hints that I gather, um, they actually, I think Bruce actually flies to Huntsville and they do those, record those podcasts at, at Conrad's house or something. I think so, they do a big chunk I, of them that way. I think some are done through Skype um, video, but a, a, a big chunk of them. I think I think they sit down and do like marathon recordings of, of podcasts with Bruce there at the the quote unquote Conradison uh, there in Huntsville, and uh, that's that's an interesting, a whole another interesting dynamic there as well. Yeah, but we'll but, get uh, into all that next week because I, I really enjoy the banter uh, between Conrad and Bruce. Bruce is the kind of guy that if you just had uh, just your typical wrestling fan who, who wouldn't be willing to, to push him and just kind of accept every answer he says at face value, uh, the podcast wouldn't be as good because sometimes you can tell uh, Bruce is being a little evasive. He doesn't really want to put it all out there. And then, of course, you know, Conrad will just flat out just, just call him out on it. And, uh, and then it, it just rolls from there. And then not to mention all the great impressions and then all the other fun stuff they do on there as well. Yeah, and – the uh, you know the podcast with Tony Schiavone is you know he doesn't really press Tony as much. Uh, Tony you know pretty much agrees with him <laughs> on a lot of that stuff. Right. Uh, so yeah, it should be interesting. The fun part about Tony, and then we'll we'll move on here in just a second. But like you know Bruce Pritchard spent so much time in in Vince McMahon's inner circle, and I, and I feel like he he still feels a little bit of loyalty there. That there's things he still just shouldn't. Uh, divulged just because he was allowed to be so close inside Vince's inner circle. And I'm sure there's deep down, you know, Bruce Pritchard hopes to be back involved again with the WWE someday, I would imagine. Uh, but, you know, Tony Schiavone pretty much just washed his hands of the wrestling business for years. And at one point, if you mentioned wrestling on his Twitter, you got blocked. And so now he's, you know, he went to a fan fest and, kind of changed his mind and now he's easing back into it, but he has no desire to get back in the business. He's not hunting a job. So he has no problem just spilling the beans about anything that he he remembers or or wants to, because he has no ulterior motives to try to get back in. So that makes his even more fun at times. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, but you know, it seems like that, you know, he checked out, you know, once WCW started to kind of, go on that downward slide, you could kind of tell he was going through the motions because a lot of the questions that he's asked after probably 98, 99, you know, a lot of it, you know, his answers were, I, I'm not sure I was just there, you know, at that point. At that point so, oh, and it showed, you know, and not just for him, for Heenan, for oh, everybody. Wow. That stuff's tough to watch, man. Like, I, I've tried to go back and watch some of that stuff on the network, and, and that's another fun thing about those particular podcasts because, you know, I was watching, I told you earlier, when when you were watching the Super Bowl, I was watching Backlash 02 because they had just talked about it on the, the NWO WWE episode of, of something to wrestle. And so a lot of what I watched lately is stuff that, you know, they talk about on there and it kind of jogs my memory. And I go, hey, I want to go back and see that. But, man, if you go and watch anything Nitro-wise from, you know, late 98 on to the end, it's pretty damn tough to watch, you know. <laughs> yeah, when they when they broke off into the NWO Wolf, Wolf Pack and all of that, that's 
pretty much where I checked yeah. out. I was just like, well, this is wean <laughs> this is this is headed downhill. So, but yeah, um, but I mean, and, and I just kind of watched it because it was on, but it, it certainly wasn't wasn't anything worth watching. But anyway, we're gonna have Conrad on next week. Uh, we're excited; it's gonna be fun. And, and like Neil said, it would probably be better if you have any questions, just to email them to us because it's gonna be pretty tough to take phone calls on that one. Uh, so let's just uh, email those in, and we will do our very best to get every one of those on the air and ask Conrad uh, each person's questions, and we'll even try to throw your name in there as well. So, uh, what kind of wrestling news we got to talk about this week, Neil? Well, the big uh, the big news this week is, of course, Seth Rollins was re-injured. Uh, my understanding is same. It's actually the same knee that he was out with last year. Uh, with yep. the, he was out WrestleMania last year and this year too. <laughs> I, man, this guy, I, I definitely wouldn't go to the casino with him anytime soon because, man, this is so unfortunate because uh, he's missing two WrestleManias in a row. And, I mean, he's right down to the wire, you know, as far as making it. I know. And it's, it's and if anybody watched that uh, that special they did on him, you know, WWE, those those – 24 episodes they do, especially that most recent one they did about WrestleMania in Dallas. But the Seth Rollins one, the Daniel Bryan one, they they are so good at, at those things. And, uh, you know, seeing him throughout that whole process of rehabbing the knee last time and, and seeing how much it, you know, he could tell it gutted him not to be at WrestleMania last year. Uh, to be on the road to setting up this huge match that's going to be, you know, probably something that was going to, you know, carry him throughout the rest of his career if, if he was to go in and beat Triple H as it seemed like that's where they were headed. To have the rug pulled out from under you like that this close is, I, I can't imagine. I hate it for the guy because, I mean, he's one of the most talented people on the roster, all jokes aside. I mean, I was giving Jax a hard time last week, but, I mean, you gotta you, you got to respect the guy and appreciate all the hard work he put in just to get back to where he was at now with that knee and then for the same knee to be re-injured in the same way is just, that's terrible, man. I hate it for him. I know, and they, um, you know, of course, all the rumors was that, you know, he was slated to to wrestle Triple H this year, which, you know, <laughs> given that he's wrestling the boss, I mean, you know, you knew that he was going to end up with a good spot on the show, and uh, he's been oh, yeah. such a breakout babyface. You know, it's, yeah, it's very unfortunate and, you know, definitely bad news for, for Seth Rollins and, you know, maybe maybe this time, you know, last time he was out until I think Survivor Series is when he came back. So, you mm-hmm. know, maybe this maybe this injury won't be maybe he won't be on the shelf near as long this time. But uh anyway, uh moving on and I, I know this is probably something you're happy about, Gene, um that goes right along with Seth Rollins being injured is Samoa Joe's uh debut on Raw. Um yeah. you know, of course we've been waiting been waiting a long time for Samoa Joe to pop up on the main roster, and um, I hadn't really been able to find out if or, or, or read anything to say that this is, you know, this is a permanent thing or a one-off or what. But uh, at least we're in the even if it is a one-off, at least we're in the gradual progression of him of him coming up to the main roster. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know what do you what do you think about him coming up coming up, Gene? Well, I mean, I I think it's time. I think he's really done all he can do in NXT. I think they've told all the stories they can tell with him down there. Uh, As unfortunate as it is for for Seth Rollins to get injured in in the process of Samoa Joe's debut, uh, it's it's unfortunate for Joe as well because, you know, he's he's 
had to try to shake the stigma of, of ending Tyson Kidd's career in one of his first couple of WWE matches. Uh, and then now on his first night of Raw, he takes out literally uh, one of the the biggest stars on Raw who was going to be in one of the you know biggest key matches on WrestleMania. And, and rumor had it that Triple H was even telling some people that, that this might was even going to be his last match this year against Rollins. So had he beat Triple H and what would be Triple H's final match would have been even bigger. So I really hate it for him. Um, if, if you ask me, um, I think he needs to be built up. Uh, I think he'd be one of the few. Well, I mean, I, I said this a couple months ago, the whole Goldberg thing shot all this in the foot, but I think he would have been one of the few credible guys that you could build up as a monster and build towards like a SummerSlam match between Brock and Samoa Joe, and it would have had that big fight feel to it, you know, and somebody who was actually yeah. big enough and, and built up tough enough to to really be the guy who might could take down Lesnar and then build Joe in the project. You know, Samoa Joe could have rode off that for the rest of his time in the WWE, and it meant something. But now that they've, you know, had him go down to uh, Goldberg all these times, if – Joe comes in and beats him. It's like, well, he's damaged good. It don't matter. He's, you know, he's already been beat by Goldberg two or three times. But, and then if Lesnar beats Joe, then it's going to be, well, Joe couldn't beat the guy who couldn't beat the 50 year old man. So I, you know, I don't know if the whole Lesnar angle is even viable at this point for Samoa Joe, but he definitely would be uh, somebody they could make into a star over time. Uh, But this, this injuring big star stigma, I hope doesn't, you know, cost him in the long run because I'm sure whether he deserves it or not, you know he's got heat for it right out of the chute. Well, you know, it's 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 almost a little bit tongue in cheek that um, you know, Samoa Joe who's like you said, known for, for ending Tyson Kidd or, you know, is is hurt injured the guy that uh is known for for injuring and, and, and putting Sting out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> eye for an eye. That's what I told my wife. I was like, I don't know. Maybe that was just karma for for uh, Sting and Finn Balor. I don't know. You know, <laughs> maybe so. But uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, some good news um, is that uh, uh, from what we what we understand that that uh, you know Bret Hart had had some had some issues with. Uh, um, prostate cancer earlier in the year, and he has actually come back and reported that he is a hundred percent cancer free. So, um, so at least some good news for somebody. Uh, of course, he's uh, now becoming an advocate for um, everybody, all the males, making sure and getting checked and all that good stuff. So, um, I guess if uh, you know if anybody is, you know, I, I guess if anybody's worried about anything i guess they need to go get checked as much as he is to talk about assholes on this show but <laughs> the, uh so anyway good news for Bret hart and if you think something's wrong with your asshole go get it checked yeah i'm glad to hear that uh i was i was a big Bret hart fan uh back in the day i, I loved all the stuff uh through 97 where he was the the heel in america and baby face in canada and and all that i thought was just great stuff and, and um, showed how well-rounded he was that he could play both sides as well as he did at the time. And, you know, I know he says a lot of off-the-wall stuff now that bothers people, you know, the way he he uh, 
he was pretty hard on like the free birds, you know, going in the hall of fame, which, you know, got him a lot of grief with people. And he, um, you know, he's been one of the most vocal people against Seth Rollins ever since, you know, Seth injured sting. And so, you know, he, he gets, he gets people riled up from time to time, but the guys, you know, the guy's a legend and, uh, he did a lot of great things in wrestling and, and it's good to hear that he's, he's healthy again. And, uh, can, uh, be an advocate for uh, for people getting prostate checks. We've got a caller here. Yeah. Do you want to you want to take a caller and see uh, who would be calling in right now as we talk about uh, raw and whatnot? Sure. Let's see. Let's uh, click the button here. Six six two five five four. Who we got on the line? How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing okay. So when was the last guess update? By the short when answers, the, who this is? When was the uh, <laughs> last update you got on Rollins? On Rollins, uh, um, yeah. The, when was the last update? You the got? last thing I read was that it was a ACL instead of MCL or vice versa. That it wasn't as bad as last time, but it still was probably going to keep right. him out past WrestleMania. Well, well, the, you know, well I, that's what I was asking. I didn't know when the last time you read something because it's been like a couple of days since I've seen. It was um Yeah, I he was over here that. down the road from me in Birmingham apparently. Yeah. I, and the last one I, I got was it Go ahead, Neil. I actually read that I think I read that probably about um probably about four o'clock today. Oh, okay. Because the last word I got was he might be back just in time for mania. Well maybe so. so. Well that'd be, that'd be great change, if that turned but, out to be the case, but Well so but anyways. So I don't guess we'll be having a cookout at my house for Mania. So we'll have to do it somewhere else. <laughs> well, don't worry. John well, Cena's still going to be there. I mean, fuck you. Fuck the 16 time champ <laughs> will be there. Make fuck sure and stay tuned to the end, uh, uh, Jax. I got I got a treat for you at the end of the next seven episodes. So <laughs> make okay. Sure stay tuned well, listen, that. listen, real real quick. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna keep you guys, but. Uh, I was on fucking hold for goddamn 20 minutes a while ago, and I almost tweeted out that you fuckers didn't answer your goddamn telephone calls. But <laughs> I thought I'd give you a second chance, well, and you did. Okay, well, <laughs> first of all, we didn't have this this episode listed as explicit, so thanks for blowing that out of the water with the, the F-bomb oh, there. But uh, you, just popped oh, up on, you just literally popped up on my screen like one minute before I let you on. Really? Oh, I was on hold. Yeah, I don't know. But I can actually hear it better on hold than I can through the through the phone and the speakers in the car. So I'm actually oh, okay. out driving around after the Super Bowl listening to you guys so I can hear it and not mess with the girls at the house. So that's how oh. faithful hey, I am. Hey, Jack. We appreciate how about, that. How about, yeah. Tom, how about Tom Brady? Fuck you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> screw you. Wait, anyway, wait, here's the best part of the whole thing. The best part of the whole thing is, the best part of the whole thing is, is I was over at a party. We did it at the board. I just gave some money and said, put my name where the hell ever. I don't care. Whatever. And we left actually five minutes before the game was over. You know? And then as soon as the game was over, a guy texted and said, hey, your winnings are on the desk. I'm like, really? Okay. So then I get on Facebook. I'm like, well, okay, okay. The Patriots won. Whoopie shit. No hard feelings, you know, Super Bowl, football's over, bring on NASCAR. 
uh, whatever, you know. Uh, and then I was asking where all of my hashtag not my Super Bowl champ people were because I'm ready to go riot, loot, and burn shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go. I mean, it uh, I'm sorry. Uh, but no, really, I am totally freaking, freaking, okay, ecstatic yeah. about Conrad being on next week. I can't wait. Yeah, and if it wasn't for you. Neil Taylor, if it wasn't for Neil Taylor, I never would have discovered the freaking podcast with him and, and and Bruce, and it's like the greatest thing ever. I will literally make up excuses to go because I can't listen to it at the house, right? Because it annoys the women yeah. that I live with, and so yeah. I literally make up excuses to go to town so that I can listen to the freaking podcast and and you know. But anyways, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, that's you awesome. know. Uh, yeah, when whenever I let Neil know that uh, that I had that lined up, he was like, Jax is going to shit. And I'm like, well, uh, yeah. you know, at yeah. least three, of, <laughs> at least three of us are going to be psyched. I mean, I don't know about everybody else, but <laughs> right. we'll all three be marking out nonetheless. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, marking hey, marking hey. out for a wrestling fan, you know, I know. Hey, right. Hey, I mean, Jax. that's when. You... Hey, Jax. Did you hear yeah. what uh, Tom? What, did you hear what Tom Brady said at the end of the Super Bowl? No, I did not. Did, you, no job. Oh, uh-huh, I wouldn't <laughs> no doubt it. Yeah, yeah, he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it at all. <laughs> no job. So, I wish they anyway, played Roman Reigns music after they won. That would have been tremendous. Oh, that would have man, that would have been so much shit. People would have been. That really would have been rioting, looting, and burning shit. <laughs> Oh, I would have popped. I would have popped all up into mug shots. I would have, I would have just erupted. That would have been great. Okay, but anyways, I didn't mean to interrupt you guys' podcast. No, you're cool, man. But, thanks for thanks for calling in, and thanks for doing all of our uh, promos and shit. It's, it's, it's oh, really no professional. Problem. You it's guys probably the most professional part of our show. Well, when you guys get some more sponsors, let me know, and I'll cut them for you. All right, we'll do. We're working on it. Uh, uh, maybe you can get leather by Dan's or something soon. Well, I don't. I don't know. It'd be leather by Leslie. Be more likely, but that's. I don't know if he's going to advertise that business just that's, yet. That's <laughs> going to be. That's going to be. All we can. All we can do something. Some some stuff from Fun World by Jimmy Blaylock. I mean, who knows? No, yeah, there we go. No, we, <laughs> yeah, the back room at Fun World by. Brought to you by the back room at Fun World. Plastic by Blaylock. First of all, Jax. <laughs> Plastic oh, by Blaylock. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got to the Jimmy Blaylock roast. First of all. First of anyway. all. All right. You guys have fun. All right. We'll see you, buddy. Bye. Oh, great. Oh, my God. Okay, anyway. So, um, <laughs> that brings us to, uh, we didn't get to do a, uh, a bad promo of the week last week. Uh, because we had too much going on, and uh, so you sent me one. I've got a couple in the uh, in the chamber too that we can fire off here one of these weeks. But you sent me one that's a it's a good one. Uh, if if anybody listens to this, if you get a chance to go to YouTube and watch the actual video of it, um, it's even better because watching Mean Gene try to keep his composure during this thing just puts it over the top. I mean, he is literally like turning his head, biting his lip, and then just outright just shaking and laughing on the air as Patera just powers his way through this 
disaster of a promo that would make, you know, jumping Jeff Farmer cringe. So we're going to roll that right now. Here's Ken Patera from about 1987, along with Mean Gene Okerlund, cutting a promo on, uh, who is it, Morocco, I think? Or it slips my mind. Uh, You'll yeah, see. Here so. we go. All right, here we go again. Ken Patera, Portland, Oregon. Join me, if you will. Over the past couple of years, you've had to overcome some tremendous personal difficulties. You've done so. You've, you've paid your debt to society, so to speak. And right now, you have ongoing problems with Bobby the Brain Heenan and virtually every member of his family, Ken. That's right. The weasel has come to the point that the conspiracy is completely out of hand. He turned his gang of henchmen on me, his goon squad, King Kong Bundy, King Harley Race, Hercules Hernandez, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Yeah, I've been humiliated before, but I'm so humiliated right now, I'm afraid to turn my back. I don't want the people to see what happened to me. They whipped me like a dirty yard dog. Well, I'm going to tell you something, Weasel, and the goon squad. I can take pain. I can recover. recover. I can recuperate. Well, I'm beyond that. I am so upset at the, the actions that are going on in the World Wrestling Federation, especially from your so-called family, that it's just a matter of time. Like I said before, and I said it to you, Mean Gene, I've said it to everybody. It's just a matter of time when Ken Patera gets in full gear and runs the World Wrestling Federation, or rids the World Wrestling Federation of the likes of you, Weasel, and King Kong, Bundy, Race, Hercules, Orndorff, all of you. You're all going to go down one by one, and I'm going to make sure of that. For the whipping that you gave me, whipping like a red-headed, red-headed stepson, I'm sick and tired of that type of treatment. And when I get ready, when I'm in full gear, Heenan, Weasel, whatever you guys want to do, just bring it on because I'm not going anywhere. Ken. Like I say, I'm going to carry these scars for a while, but I do heal, and I heal well. All right, what a beating he took at the hands of the Heenan family. He's strong man, Ken Patera. We're right back. So, so I think what Ken Patera was trying to say was that Bobby Heenan turned the tables in a, in a bad way. Was that, was that what he was trying to get at? Or in a wrong way. Well, I think I'm he's going to beat him like a red-headed stepson. <laughs> Would you go back, if you watch the video, from the moment of Dirty Yard Dog, Mean Gene's just losing it from then on. He <laughs> he doesn't get it back through the rest of the interview. It just gets worse with things like red-headed stepson and um, run and whatever two words he confused there. So there's Ken Patera there with a <laughs> beautiful – 80s promo from back in the day so uh let's uh take a little brief very brief pause right here and then we're going to get into the meat of what this week's episode is all about you're listening to locals to legends wrestling radio brought to you by rockstar records 810 east main street tupelo mississippi 662-269-3745 let me tell you something. Nobody knows more about being cool than the hitman. And let me tell you something. It is not cool to smoke. Be a survivor and don't smoke. All right. So not only is Bret Hart looking out for us on <laughs> prostate cancer, he doesn't want us to smoke either. So keep that in mind. He knows what it's like <laughs> to be cool. Clearly. We've got, a, we've got a fun. We've got to find one of those, the Jake Roberts, just say no to drugs promo. There's <laughs> got to be one of those somewhere. 
I think they went and erased all of them off the internet because they were just too ironic to exist anymore. But uh, we'll see if we can find one for sure. Uh, so, all right. So now we get into to what this episode was advertised to be. Um, how not to successfully run a pro wrestling show, um, which makes us sound like a couple of real losers because all these stories are going to be about our experiences <laughs> <laughs> running wrestling shows. But uh, towards the end here, we'll, we'll tie it up and we'll talk about uh, how we may potentially have a chance to uh, to do something else together to, to redeem ourselves maybe. But, um, you know, uh, so for people who don't know, uh, me and me and Neil Taylor have been friends for a, a very long time, um, and there was a time where we were we were tag team partners, and we probably saw each other every single day of the week. Uh, we spent the majority of our our time together, and uh, and that's kind of why I enjoy this podcast because you know in in recent years you know life takes you different directions and unless we have a project going on we don't talk whatever so often uh but this podcast gives us a reason to talk like every week now so i think that's cool but a reason i mention all that is just if there's one thing neil taylor knows about gene jackson that's that gene jackson has wanted to run a wrestling show forever pretty much you know whenever we would ride in the car and we were going and working these shows, you know, I'd always talk about, you know, if I ever run a show, I'd do this. If I ever ran a show, I'd do that. And that continued on from way back in 1999 up until just before what we're about to talk about. Is that a fair statement, Neil? A very fair statement. You know, we, we would ride around and talk about what we would do and, you know, how we would handle this and who we would use and all that kind of thing. And we've talked about this for a long time. Absolutely. And so, you know, I I never really got as many opportunities as, as even that Neil got as far as, like, having a chance to book places. Um, I had some places where I had some input where I could kind of, you know, su- suggest some things, and they, and they may or may not happen, or they may or may not look like what I suggested, but... I would have a little bit of input anyway, but that's that's about as as far as it went. And so here a couple of years ago, uh, my friend Ace Haven, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, uh, who runs Pro South over there in, in Piedmont, he uh, they run that show every Friday night, and he made mention to me that you know he would was thinking about maybe checking with some people and seeing if somebody wanted to run it on a different night, maybe like a Sunday or something like that just to have a little added income to throw towards the rent. And uh, so in my mind, to mention it to someone else, to help him out, I said, well, what would you charge to do that? And he said, well, you know, for for anybody else, it would be this price. He goes, but for you, uh, I would do it for this price. And it was an extremely, extremely low Good Brother price. I mean, it was – and you're talking about a building – uh, that you can unlock the door, walk in, and have a show. Uh, the the building's there, seven days a week, set up, chairs, ring, PA, dressing room, you know, everything. Everything you need to run a show is right there. You show up, you have the show, you clean up, you leave. That's, that's it. And so with the price he quoted me, I was like, this is my opportunity to, to run a wrestling show because I'm never going to be able to get a building, a ring, 
uh, everything I need to run a show for this price, and then all i got to do is, is come up with some advertising and some wrestlers. So um, Twin States Wrestling is a name I had always kicked around uh, for years. I had used it as a as a fantasy league promotion on Wrestling Classics years ago and, and had always said, well, if I run a show, this is the name I'm using. So uh, Twin States Wrestling finally came to fruition in Piedmont. And so... I decided that I was going to have a Twin States title tournament because having a tournament would allow me to book less people uh, and get the most out of them match-wise. And uh, I was very selective with who I booked. I had all the matches in my head exactly how I wanted them and how they were going to play out and what would lead to what and and all this. And so um, Neil designed a poster for it, which was awesome still it's hanging in my wrestling room now one of my favorite posters of any show um i've ever been a part of and we hung them up everywhere and we didn't draw much of nothing but it was a sunday afternoon in a building that runs every single friday night but i was like well you know i'm not gonna let it discourage me we're gonna we're gonna try it again so we ran another show uh three three four months later i guess it was and this one I booked uh, Moose, who was at Ring of Honor at the time, has since gone on to be in TNA and whatnot, and uh, brought in a few more people. Uh, Here, Leslie Jones tell it, I brought in the entire WWE roster, uh, but I, I didn't think I brought in that many people, honestly. And he and he had no idea what I was paying these folks. If he'd have known, he you know he would have shit because it wasn't as much as it looked like uh just on paper <laughs> but anyway that one i think drew less than the first one and so that one i ran into a bunch of issues booking wise that was the first that one there i had people not wanting to lose uh wanting to strong arm me about money they were wanting to figure out ways to book their get their sales booked on the show that would force me to book them again where they were already trying to raise their price and just a bunch of crap that really frustrated me and and I was like damn this this is not there's definitely something to be said for getting booked on a show and just showing up doing it and leaving um you know I'm I'm sitting here thinking about how much money I'm losing and then I've got to go over here and fight with somebody cuz they don't want to lose on a show that if you look out there, there's 25 people. So who gives a shit if you lose? There's not, nobody's going to see it except for when I put it on YouTube or whatever. Um, so then I, I was pretty discouraged after that, but a friend of mine that I used to work with uh, who's had a brain tumor, um, who's a huge wrestling fan, uh, I talked to him about doing a fundraiser for him. So I set that up and I was, I was going to, do that fundraiser for him and in the midst of that i i got this promotion at work where basically they they shut me out of wrestling now granted i found i have found creative ways to weasel my way back in to some degree since but that's another story for another day um so i, I immediately had to pull out of twin states um ace thankfully uh took the show over as a favor to me so it didn't have to be canceled because it was just a couple of weeks out uh, he went ahead and did the show and then did a couple of more Twin State shows, but they were those shows were simply just pro-South shows on a Sunday. It was mostly the same roster. And uh, 
they didn't do well. And so eventually Ace said, well, I, I can't go on doing the two different shows that are basically the same show. So he he shut it down for the most part. Now, it was very vague and all that for a reason. Um, like I say, Neil worked those shows. Neil was booked on those shows. He had a little bit of insight to where my mind was at going into those shows. So take me through your side of that, at least how all that appeared to you, and then I can tell you my reasoning or my side of the story on that rather than me just talk for 30 minutes solid explaining every <laughs> angle of it. Well, you know, when you first, you know, come to me with it, you know, I knew you were excited about it because, like I said, you would wanted to do – you'd always wanted to run a wrestling show, and, and, and you know, I'm, hell, I was happy for you. You just finally get to do something, you know, you wanted to do for a long time, and, you know – and I remember, I remember immediately talking to Leslie about it, and and a couple other people, you know, that I had been associated with with helping run shows or what have you. And I was like, you know, it's 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 easy to say what you would do if you were going to run a show versus um, when you're in that seat and it's time to run the show. Uh, I mean, right. Yeah. There's a lot more, a lot more. You know, there's a lot more. Uh, a lot more things that go into it than, than what you realize. And, but, uh, you know, I, my experience with the shows, you know, I, um, you know, outside of being, what, three and a half hours from, from, from the show, you know, they were <laughs> yeah. fun shows to work. You know, it was a, uh, it was a, 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 a very, um, a very good locker room as far as, uh, you know, guys that look like wrestlers, guys that had, you know, that, um, you know, cared about what they were doing, were constantly trying to get better. And, you know, the, you know, a lot of the strong arming and stuff that you were, you know, you talked about, you know, I didn't, I actually didn't have any knowledge of that. Um, you know, and, and I'm kind of surprised by that, by, you know, given some of the folks that was in the dressing room, but you know, it was a, it was a, a really a well-rounded show. Um, you know, I kind of wondered, you know, the dynamic of, um, of doing a wrestling show uh, in a building that had con- had consistently ran a Friday night show for a, you know a long period of time, and then trying to come back and do one on Sunday, you know, I was kind of interested to see how that would pan out. Um, because you know, I've honestly I've seen shows like that like that uh, do well. I've seen shows like that. Uh, fall completely on their face. So, yeah. you know, I, I was interested, I, you know, just interested to see how it worked out, of course, working shows with, with you know, different guys. You know, I, I guess, you know, if I were to ask a question, you know, what, going into that, you know, what was your game plan as far as, you know, how to basically bring the same crowd back because I mean, you'd be crazy to say that you weren't trying to pull the same crowd that they were on Friday, because they were drawn on Friday. But trying to pull the same crowd uh, on Friday back to a Sunday show with basically a totally different roster, with the exception of a few. You know, what was your game plan on trying to make that? You know, trying to make that different. Well, you know, one of the first conversations me and Ace had is Ace is like, look, all I ask is like, I don't want this to just be a Sunday Pro South show because if your card ends up being different, 
if there's a match they haven't seen on Friday they'd rather see on Sunday, uh, they might just skip Friday and come see Sunday or something that you know something along those lines. And I didn't want it to just be like, oh, well, Ace is doing a Sunday show and Gene's just the face of it, you know, it's really just Ace. So we wanted to differentiate it for sure, but we did shoot an angle uh, that Friday night or a couple of different Friday nights leading up to it with me and my quote-unquote nephew, Britt, uh, to tie that into the show at least and try to drag those people in without it being too many pro-South angles on my show, especially since we were only going to run every other month or so. Um, I, I, that was the first hurdle. Was like I couldn't book too many pro-South guys, but at the same time, of the pro-South guys I did book, I had to book them a certain way because I couldn't conflict with whatever they had going on at pro-South at the time. So that was all considerations to be made. Uh, the first one, the way I booked that tournament, I tried to make it very um, – varied as far as uh, the different types of matches that came out of them. You know, you had, uh, you know, you and Donnie had more of the, the old school Memphis type match, but then you had, uh, you know, Tank and, you know, Plunkett having more of the strong style match. And then you had uh, Ace and Chase Owens having the more high flying ring of honor type thing. If, PWG, whatever comparison you want to make. Um, and then Flint and Eric Wayne, that would be a little bit of a mixture of, you know, both, I guess, because Flint is versatile. You know, he can do comedy, strong style, old school, Memphis, whatever you want him to do, he'll he'll do it. And then I tried to make the pairings throughout the rest of the tournament all, you know, I, I wanted to be, I didn't want it to be all one thing. And so that was my, my biggest concern. Uh, but there wasn't really a big draw as far as name wise. You know, it's always been my thing like, well, you need a name, but I just fly. I just couldn't afford one. I mean, I was just, I was still an account rep work and I didn't make that much money. So I couldn't afford to invest in a, in a name, you know, Chase Owens, uh, just because he had that bullet club tie in from Japan was the closest thing I could, I could call a name. But my, my goal was uh, to be able to hopefully use Brit, Ace and Donnie, to draw the pro South crowd. And then hopefully, and then this was especially my intent booking moose and them on the second round, uh, was to hopefully pull the pro South crowd and then pull a completely different crowd, uh, who maybe weren't available on Friday nights or whatever the case may be over there. And then of course, you know, then Ace's dog in that fight was, okay, well, if they come like Gene show, we're going to plug pro South through it. Maybe they'll, they'll keep, you know, they'll come on Friday nights and come to my show too. So it'd be a win win. Uh, obviously that didn't happen either time, but that, that was the intention. That's what I went in hoping to do anyway. Well, you know, I've always thought that the concept of doing a Friday afternoon or a Friday afternoon, doing a Sunday afternoon show was a good idea because I mean, you know, most people on Sunday, you know, they get up, you know, they go to church or what have you, they go eat lunch, you know, and pretty much Sunday afternoon is, you know, there's not really a lot going on. There's nothing to do. You know, some people lay around. Some people get out and, you know, kind of go stir and, you know, get out and ride around or whatever. <laughs> you know, it sounds like, in, you know, it sounds like in theory that a Sunday <laughs> afternoon show is, is a good idea because, you know, there's not a lot to do on Sunday afternoon. You know, you and I have right. worked shows in the past that's, you know, um, I can't remember the name of the promotion, but uh, 
the show up in Gibson, Tennessee. They did a yeah. show uh, with a two o'clock bell time for years and years, and, and drew consistently. So you know, it's kind of surprised to see that it didn't draw. Um, you know, what do you think? Uh, you know, what do you think contributed to the fact that you know it just it, it, it didn't it didn't it didn't take off like you thought it would. I don't know. Um, in, in hindsight, better, better, um, better advertising, I guess, would have been would have been one thing. Um, other than that, I don't. Maybe, maybe if I had a book like an old school Alabama guy, you know, a, a Bullet Bob Armstrong or a Tracy Smothers or something like that, because you know Kevin Brennan, uh, who I hope to have on the show with us one of these days. Down in Sylacauga and Wegufka and all those towns down in South Alabama, every time he's booked the Armstrongs or Robert Gibson or any of the old Continental types, um, he he packs it out. And uh, I guess maybe had maybe if I'd have went that route, I'd have had more luck with it. I, I don't know. Um, I was you know I was looking very seriously. You know we had started you doing that real deal challenge which was a takeoff of a of a gimmick i wanted to do with memphis monroe that i never got a chance to do with fishbowl and drawing the matches out and all that shit and um yeah i had toyed with the idea of bringing um tracy smothers to be the guy who come out to answer your challenge and uh didn't didn't end up doing it i ended up going with uh was going to be mr hughes on that last show before it all fell apart but uh I don't know, man. I, I looking back at it, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of stuff I, I could have done better uh, for it to t- have turned out better. But I can't put my finger on one thing where I'm like, ah, that's the one place I really dropped the ball right there. Um, and you know, the Saturday night shows didn't do well for Ace, so Ace was getting ready to go back to a Sunday show to try it again. And then I don't know exactly what happened. I think a lot of his non-pro style people he had booked for this last one had canceled on him. So he just, he just canceled the show. Um, but you know, he was, he had such bad luck on Saturdays. He was going to go back to Sunday. So I, I don't know. It may just be the, it may just be a matter of the people over there are so loyal to pro South that nobody else is going to draw over there, but pro South. I, I don't know. You know, well, you know, it's, it, I definitely think with, um, with what you had, you know, as far as the roster goes and, and excluding myself out of that, um, I think you know if you'd ever gotten gotten a crowd in there, you know I definitely thought you thought you would have drew them back because you know there were some good shows. I mean you put them together well. Um, you know they were you know a lot of that uh, you know some of the footage you can actually go back on YouTube and see. <coughs> Excuse me, but um, I thought they were you know really well put together shows. I, I enjoyed uh, you know enjoyed my part. Um, and being on those shows, uh, I really enjoyed working with with Donnie Primetime. He's a good kid. Um, you know, even though bless his heart, he had to slow down about two and a half steps to for for me to try to keep up with him. <laughs> but but um, you know, the old school angle that we were doing, the, you know, the the old school challenge was a lot of fun. I was excited about working with Mister Hughes because even though I'd been on several shows with him, I never actually worked with him. Um, right. So I was looking forward to that, but you know, I, 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 yeah, it was a good show. It's kind of, um, it's kind of unfortunate. It's, uh, and and maybe this, 
this may be a tie-in to uh, to to my part of or my contribution to this title, but uh, you know Jim Cornette always said the people that know how can't get the money, and the people that have got the money don't know how. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know, but you know it's um, it was a good show. I, I enjoyed the, I enjoyed the show, and uh, you know enjoyed the guys, and and like I said, you know it was a uh, it definitely had a flavor uh, for everybody. Um, you know, whether you like the slower Memphis style that I'm, uh, uh, that I do, or, or if you like uh, a little more of the high flying, or even a little more of the stiff, stiffer type, you know, matches, which are I've always enjoy. You know, it, it had a little bit for everybody. And and I, you know, I think if you could have picked it up and moved it somewhere else and advertised it a little better, I think it, I think it could have, you know, possibly succeeded. Um, because there were some, I mean, there were some really good guys on the show. Um, you know, I, everybody I, I booked on the show, you know, I personally sat down and, and looked over, you know, lists of people I had made out, you know, of if I ever made a show, these are people I would want to use and, and, you know, handpicked who I wanted and then paired them up a certain way. And, and you know, you had said that about Donnie having to slow down, but I liked Donnie a lot, and and that was one of the things I thought Donnie really needed to learn was to slow down and learn the working aspect. And you know, at Pro South, it's all younger guys; most all of them work that way. So I was like, well, here's an opportunity. Uh, one, I think they can do a good match. Two, I know they can pull off the idea I have. And three, it'll be a good learning experience for Donnie because Donnie needs to learn how to slow down and and actually work the crowd and pay more attention to the crowd than trying to remember 50 spots and I know he enjoyed it too. And, and, you know, you and, uh, it wasn't a big crowd, but Lord knows you and Leslie got every ounce of heat out of them. Y'all could ring out of them. And, uh, if we could have packed that place out, I mean, you guys would have got booed out of the building. Cause you, you know, you've seen it before, you know, Piedmont's such a, an old school boo the heel crowd, you know, they're not the smart mark cheer the heel do the baby face you know they they know their role and they they play it well <laughs> absolutely a lot like a tennessee crowd you know they um i guess they still believe over that way but yeah. uh yeah it was it was a lot of fun it's a fun crowd it was, all, it was a lively bunch even though it was a, you know wouldn't wouldn't just a, a whole lot of people but it was it was a lively crowd yeah absolutely and if you hear it on the on the on the videos and like neil mentioned if you go to youtube.com slash cheap heat tv uh pretty much every twin state match that ever happened is on that on that uh channel so if you go back and check out some of those matches uh while i'm not proud of the turnout i'm very proud of the matches and and all the all the guys that that worked the show and everybody i felt like worked really hard uh you know they went out there and, and even though the crowd was small, everybody worked really hard and did their best, and and I was super proud of everybody that was involved with it. And for nothing, for no other reason, I would have loved to have kept it going just just for that sake. Uh, but like I say, um, I may have found a a better opportunity and something that you know we might be able to make something of. We won't go into any of that just yet, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. I have a lot higher hopes uh, as far as drawing potential, but. Anyway, so that's the tale of Twin States. So you've now you've been involved in booking quite a you know quite a few shows over the years, a lot of shows actually. Uh, but the one you particularly have listed, you wanted to talk about tonight, and I know we've alluded to it on a couple of different podcasts, and you've said you know well, that'll be a, a whole other episode. Tell us about the Halloween Monster Bash two in Corinth. 
Well, you know, the the show, um, I was a part of the first show. Um, the show was held at uh, in uh, Corinth, Mississippi at the Crossroads Arena, which is a uh, basically an 8,000-seat arena. Um, uh, another friend of mine um, got involved with him some promoting uh, some larger larger scale concerts um, in that building. We've done uh, Travis Tritt, uh, Sawyer Brown, Clint Black, you know, some of those type people, and uh, and did okay there. Um, but there had actually been the, – the arena had decided to get into wrestling or doing uh, local independent wrestling. Uh, TNA had actually done a show, a, a couple of shows there. Um, I think um, – I think way back, Power Pro tried to do a joint WWE show there when they were still a developmental territory. But uh, there had been wrestling in that building before. But but the arena decided to do um, uh, a try to do a, a a local indie indie show type type thing in there uh, where they bring in some names and mix it up with some local guys. The uh, the first show uh, which I was a part of. Uh, I wrestled Buff Bagwell on that show. It had um, basically uh, the the names that were on that show was uh, they had Jerry Lawler there, they had Bill Dundee, they had uh, Grandmaster uh, Grandmaster Sexy Brian Christopher uh, and Buff Bagwell on that show, uh, along with uh, guys like Derek King and and uh, uh, probably about two handfuls of local guys. A lot more people on that show that than they should have booked for it. Uh, right. So that show was, I, you know, anytime you break even, a show is deemed a success <laughs> to some degree. So yeah. um, basically, the show uh, the show drew somewhere in the neighborhood of around six hundred people, uh, sold about six hundred tickets. Um, so uh, they were interested in doing a show the following year at Halloween and kind of making the Monster Bash theme go on, you know, go on. To the next year. Um, right. However, um, there were some issues with um, the booker of the show from the previous year, um, and then also some of the talent that was on the show the previous year, which um, I was told in no uncertain terms, you know, we need to step up the need to really step up the degree of or, or the quality of talent that we have on the show this year. Uh, which I told them I could do, uh, running the risk of uh, getting a lot of heat on myself, you know, but, I mean, it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, you know, so uh, we started started working on that show. Uh, we sat down, put a, put a business plan together, did a budget and all that type thing. And, uh, of course, in the beginning, uh, we were looking to do uh, – we were looking to book Jerry Lawler. We were looking at some other folks. Um and reached out to Lawler. Lawler wasn't available. So, um, of course, in the beginning, we kind of freaked out a little bit over that, or at least I did. I'm thinking, okay, you know, I've got to, I've got to draw a pretty decent, a pretty good sized house here to, you know, to break even. So, you right. know, the more I got to thinking about it, and I got to talking to the arena about it, you know, um, Jerry is on shows everywhere around here. Uh, Jerry does a a uh, big show for Burt Prentice up in Jackson, Tennessee, which is literally probably 45 minutes from Corinth. 
Uh, he does that probably three or four times a year. Um, uh, so he's on a lot of stuff around here. So I approached them with the idea of what if we did a show um, full of people that are normally not seen around here. Now, I know what you're thinking on the – I know what you're automatically thinking. That can be a plus and a minus. Um, it can be a plus in the fact that, you know, it's different people. It can be a minus in the fact that, well, we know why it's different people because these don't – you know, these guys don't draw. But um, – Yeah. So that so that was the idea. We tried to – you know, we tried to do something different. Um, so I got hooked up with a couple of people, started trying to look at names to bring in and – Gene, I literally probably went through the entire mid-card roster of the WWE that had been released. Um, I had talked to Adam Rose, who had just been released. I talked to Cody Rhodes, who had just been released. Uh, Talked to Hornswoggle. uh, Made an attempt to try to get in touch with Matt Hardy, uh, which this was right around the time that the Broken Matt stuff had started taking off, so that was... Virtually impossible yeah. to get up with him. Um, looked into Abyss, uh, a couple other people, um, and finally uh, the agent that I was dealing with uh, sold me on uh, Ron Simmons and, and said that, you know, it sounded a little unorthodox to bring in Ron Simmons, but Ron Simmons had drawn huge crowds for other, for some of the other shows that he had been he had worked on. Um, so we went with Ron Simmons. Uh, we booked Ron Simmons for our, I guess, our Hall of Famer, our, our Hall of Fame part of the show. Um, I had worked with uh, and known Jane Storm from TNA um, for uh, for a few years, so uh, we decided to bring him in. Uh, at the time that we booked him, he was actually the TNA champion. Um, of course, a week and a half after I booked him, he dropped the title and wasn't on television until two weeks before this show happened. <laughs> so, right. So, so that was a kind of a, a shot in the foot. And uh, somebody else that I'd become acquaintance with uh, through Derek King was uh, Eugene or Nick Dinsmore. You know that he worked for OVW and um, right. as Nick Dinsmore, and then uh, you know went on to WWE to become Eugene. Um, and you know I thought well. You know, James Storm normally don't work a lot of shows around here, just kind of hit and miss. So, you know, maybe that's somebody different. Ron Simmons had never been through here. Um, and Eugene had, had not been through this area in years. So, you know, we went with that. We decided to, you know, I decided to go with, with those three uh, to headline the card. Uh, and then the undercard, uh, you know, booked, uh, matter of fact, to book Donnie Primetime from over your area because, uh, stemming directly from my work with him at Twin States, um, right. I wanted a, a, a young, a young baby face, and as soon as I thought of him, I knew that would be my opening match because the first match is as important as the last one. I totally agree with that. Um, yeah. You know, went with a couple. I went with a couple of locals here, um, and then uh, you know filled in with. Uh, Filled in the blanks with uh, using Eric Wayne, used a guy that uh, I've worked with at at, um, the show in uh, Ripley, Mississippi, a guy by the name of Francisco Chiazzo, um, and also uh, uh, 
some guys from uh, uh, Mr. Hughes' school in Atlanta. So, you know, mm-hmm. we went into it thinking, you know, thinking, hey, we've got a totally different show. It's a totally different show from last year, you know, and, uh, you know, maybe we can make a go at it, you know, with, with this type, with this show. So, you know, that was that was kind of the, I guess, the, the, the beginnings of that show and kind of, you know, what happened on the front end. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess this show, if anything, um, proved me wrong because you know, at at the end of IWF, me and Leslie spent a lot of time talking and contemplating doing, you know, him doing another show and and all this. And I was a huge advocate of, you know, bring in some different people. Like, my God, like, how many times are people going to buy tickets to see Jerry Lawler and Dundee and, and Buff Bagwell? Because me as a fan, because I'm, I'm considered myself more of a fan than anything, like me and Rosie, you know, we travel all over different places to see people we want to see or meet people and get pictures and autographs of folks we, we want to meet. And once we've met them or once we've seen them wrestle live, like we've seen it, like I'm, I'm not going to go pay to see the same guy over and over and over. So these people who only turn out if Lawler's there, I just, I don't get, cause I mean, I love Lawler death. He's one of my heroes, but much like Jimmy Valley. And if you've seen the Lawler indie match once, you've seen it a hundred times, you know, there's, there's not a big variation, so I, when you told me the Cardi book, well, because when I first heard about it, my brother called me, and I very rarely hear from my brother. And was shout out to my brother Wit, who listens to the podcast every <laughs> week. Uh, so thank you for that, brother. Uh, but you know, he called me up. And he's like, "Holy shit, dude!" He said, "Do you know anything about this show where they're bringing Ron Simmons to Corinth?" He's like, "Cause I'm gonna be there." He's like, "Are you are you gonna be on that show?" And he said, "I think Neil's on it." I'm like, "Well, Neil's running it actually." And I said. Um, I couldn't, I said, I had talked to him about being on it, but I literally can't. Uh, I said, so I'm not going to be there. He's like, well, I'm going. God dang, Ron Simmons, he's the man, you know. And so I'm like, okay, well, maybe that's going to be everybody's take. Is like, hell yeah, Ron Simmons is the Hall of Fame. He's the man. We'll go hear him say damn. And um, and then when, when you know, I, when I talked to you afterwards and it wasn't, you know, the turnout any of us would have hoped, I was, I was, I think I was probably as bummed out as anybody because I was like, well, damn, I beat them over the head for six months with, you know, I kept telling y'all, like, bring in somebody, but don't bring in the same people everybody else does. Bring somebody else, because, God, in the, you know, in the course of a month, Lawler might be in Raymer, you know, Nettleton for Dirty, and then, you know, Selmer for Burt Prentice, and then somebody else, you know, some other random show, you know, in the course of four to six weeks' time. It's like, you know, try somebody else. God dang, Buff Bagwell, I mean, we've seen him as much as we've seen some of the local guys. Um, but they always turn out for him, and I don't get it. I don't well, understand it. But Well, I mean, that was the exact – I mean, once I figured out I couldn't get Lawler, um, it actually came out two or three days before that that Lawler was headlining a show against Rikishi in Jackson two weeks before our show. So at that point, I knew I had made the right decision. But, um, you know, or at least I thought I'd made the right decision. Yeah. But, uh, but, that, but you're you're exactly right. You know, it's ever everything's been done to death here. You know, so why not try something different? You know, it worked, or you know, it's it's currently working for the show in Ripley, Mississippi that I work. 
you know, uh, me and Josh Matthews are the only two local guys on that show, and it draws mm-hmm. consistently. I I was there this past Friday. It was probably 200 in the crowd, you know, and, and I was hoping maybe on a larger scale, you know, that, that same thinking would work, but, you know, obviously, uh, <laughs> obviously that it didn't. So does that not frustrate the hell out of you? Like if, if, the Bancorp South Center coming to you tomorrow and like, hey, Neil, we've got this amount of money. Book us a wrestling show. Is it basically if I can't book Lawler and Buff, I'm screwed? You know, like who would you – like right as you sit right now as we're having this conversation, if that was a thing, who would you book? You know, like at this well, point, who do you even try? You know, we – I had a conversation with somebody, and I can't remember who it was. It may have been Leslie or somebody. I don't know. Uh, but you know, every, that I mean, everybody uses the same people to, to draw around here. And we were like, well, if these, you know, if if Lawler and and I don't mean I don't mean this to come off macabre or malicious or or, or, or mean at all. It, it's not mean spirited what I'm saying. But you know, if those three people were in a car wreck and they all died, who would you use in this area to draw a crowd? You know, mm-hmm. and I was just like, I mean, so you know, I thought I had my, I thought I had my bases covered, you know, with with, uh, you know, with the crowd that I had, but, you know, I and I guess to on to answer to go ahead and answer the question that I asked you, you know, in hindsight, what do you think you would have done different? Um, you know, I, I don't really know. The one thing, you know, we spent uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of. Uh, three or four thousand dollars promoting this thing. We had it on three different radio stations. We had done posters. Uh, we had done tons of Facebook ads. Um, the year before, they had done television ads during Raw. Uh, I think mm. I probably would have went back and done that um, because yeah. I mean, at that point, you got it. You got a captive audience. If they're watching Raw. They're a wrestling fans. Um, you know, and they had done newspaper, which I don't think – I honestly don't think that news, newspaper advertising is very is very vital anymore uh, because, I mean, hell, most, most newspapers are going to subscription service where you get it on email. So, you right. know, I probably would have went back and done the, done the TV advertising, but, we, you know, we, spun a, we, we, we uh, spent a ton of money on advertising. I, I guess the one thing if I – you know, in hindsight – was probably ticket prices. Now, ticket prices, you have to kind of think a little bit differently in this scenario than you would if you were booking a show at, you know, Joe Blow's auction building or a National Guard Armory or a high school. You know, you're in yeah. an 8,000-seat arena. You know, there's a lot, you know, 400 bucks is not going to rent this building. You know, there's yeah. a lot of stuff that goes into this, you know, goes into one of these shows. So, you know, we did a ringside ticket of 20 bucks, but then you had to add the service fee, which bumped that up to 23 bucks, you know. And uh, those were the first two rows around ringside were reserved. And they were, tw- like I said, they were 20 bucks. And then we did a, a uh, $15 general admission, which turned into 18 bucks. So, you know, third row back was first come, first serve. You know, I probably would have tried to adjust that a little bit because, you know, you're talking about wrestling fans, and, you know, I'm not trying to downgrade wrestling fans whatsoever. 
But, you know, the 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 average wrestling fan, you know, especially if you've got a family of, you know, three or more or four or more, you know, that, that gets pretty expensive because you get there and then you, you're talking about, and you, you know, you got to, you're buying drinks and stuff like that. So I would probably go back and try to readjust the ticket price for that. Uh, one thing we didn't do that um, they did the year before was offer a kid's ticket, which, you know, no arena show hardly does that. But, you know, probably in yeah. hindsight, I would go back and do, do some sort of a kid's ticket for general admission anyway. Right, right. And, you know, that that's, that's kind of a – I don't know. It's kind of a tough call because, you know, like you said, when you're when you're in an arena setting, uh, you, you kind of have to jack up the ticket prices. One just just because of all the added and, and expenses involved, but also just you know, if you look at if you look at a poster, and even if there is you know names on it and it's in the the arena, if the tickets are eight bucks, it just makes it you know like it like well, what kind of what kind of low budget shit is this? If it's only eight bucks for this t- the show at the arena, you know, I can, I can, I can just go see a show over here for five at the you know Joe Blow's wrestling down the street or whatever. You know, what I mean, it almost it almost you almost have to have a certain level of ticket price just to make it feel important or that it's at a certain level. And it's it's crazy because you know, I, like I said, I went to that WWE house show in Birmingham a few weeks ago. And it was packed, and the ticket prices were ridiculous. Like I said, I got mine given to me as a gift, but, like, you had all these people in there with all these kids, and, you know, they, they dropped, you know, bare minimum 20 bucks a piece on these tickets at least, and then they went and dropped another 80 bucks at the gimmick table, and it's like, well, they'll, they'll come off of this money, no problem. And like I said, the circus was right down the road for me at the Agri Center down here, and those tickets were twenty something dollars. Now, granted, they have the free ticket gimmick at all the stores, which I think is probably something wrestling shows could capitalize on um, to boost the adult ticket a little more, and then do the free kids or you know so much off or whatever. But um, they'll drop money on that at the drop of a hat. But then you know a wrestling show that's you know considered an independent show, they they just won't do it. That was like, ah, it's too expensive. We're not going. You know, but WWE comes to town and the circus comes to town and we'll blow a paycheck on it. Yeah. I mean, you know, in some of the the small things people don't think about on an arena show, like, you know, you have to have uniformed or at least identifiable security. I mean, this isn't a deal... (laughs) This ain't, you know, this ain't a this ain't a show where your uncle shows up and it's like, you know, or somebody that can't afford to get in and offers to do security just to get in to see the show. Yeah. You know, yeah. we had to contract we had to contract a group to come in and do security because you're selling beer, you know, and that type thing, and that's a whole different set of rules that you have to go by for selling alcohol and you know that kind of thing. So I mean. It, you know, there's a lot, a lot goes into an arena show, and it was definitely a learning experience for me. You know, um, probably one, one of the biggest ones that I learned from this show was I will never be on a show myself that is this big that I'm putting on ever again. <laughs> because I'm oh trying God, to figure, I can I'm imagine. To, oh Lord, you had. <laughs> I'm trying to get everybody else together. You know, you've got three names that you're having to deal with, and 
and thank the good Lord above that, that the three guys that I had with Ron and Nick and, and, and James Storm were probably the easiest guys to work with ever. You know, nobody mm-hmm. was being difficult. You know, they were just kind of like, I mean, they were coming to me, what are we doing? You know, what we came up with, you know, they were pretty much yeah. in line with, you know, perfectly fine with what we did, you know, but, you know, but I will never, ever, I will never be on a show that I'm responsible for running again. I definitely <laughs> learned my lesson there. Which I, some people listen to this show that's ever seen me wrestle probably don't doesn't think I need to perform on a show ever again anyway. But that's and they may have a a, a valid case there. But but uh, no shit. But I will never do that. I will never. I'll never be on a show that I'm putting on again. So let's look at one other thing. We're going to kind of skip over the the C and the A B C D list we got here. Um, and it, okay, so this isn't going to turn into another marathon IWF show because between talks with you and talks with Leslie and everything, we we have spent a lot of time talking about IWF, good, bad, and the ugly. But um, having done some other stuff in between and things of that nature. When it comes to and and, and I'm asking this because I'm just curious to see what your response is because I don't I don't know that I even have a clue how to approach this. But both of us know that our friend Leslie Jones thinks that if there's a wrestling ring set up in a building and there's a show happening, it's got to be on TV. Why would it not? Um, so if you're if if somebody's running a show and they're putting it on television, uh, especially in in 2017, how because you know, back in the day, uh, television was just advertising for your house show. You know, you were you were trying to tease and promote to get those people to see the show on television and then come out and buy a ticket and see the payoff at the house show. Um, this day and age, that isn't necessarily even feasible. So as someone who has, has done it twice in the past and, you know, maybe you will in the future, I don't know, but how do you approach or how do you think someone should approach promoting a wrestling show, an independent wrestling show, while also trying to put it on television? Well, I think, and this is definitely, you know, my opinion now, uh, you know, the first the, you know, the first round of television, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't as hands-on with, 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 you know, with, IWF or DCW at that point, you know, because I was on television with both of them. I wasn't that hands-on with either one of those shows from a television aspect. But, you know, on the last round of IWF TV, you know, I looked, you know, I was a part of everything that went into that show, whether it was booking the guys, the time, you know, timing out the show, um, even into sitting down and, you know, a scripting part of that show, you know, I, some of that show was totally scripted, but, um, you know, I, I honestly think that in this day and time, the only way to do television is to do it exactly like Memphis used to do it. Your television is an infomercial for the house show that you're going to run that, nobody will be able to see unless they buy a ticket and come and see it. Now, yeah. I know that most most people and anybody listening to me right now, if they're still up, 
they, you know, they're like, well, the WWE doesn't do it that way. Well, the WWE is a totally different beast altogether. You know, they have a, a you know, they have a product that, you know, their television generates so much money between advertising and, and all the other things that go into that. You know, and then they do, they basically do house shows to promote their pay-per-views a lot of times and just prolong angles and stuff, but, you know, and keep the guys' names out there. But on a local level, on a regional level, the only way to do television is to figure out how to keep the cost down, which is very, very difficult to do, um, and use that television to push whatever house show or whatever big show that you're trying to build towards. I just don't see any other way that you can possibly, I mean, cause you know, honestly with television, what, you know, if you're trying to pull, if you're trying to sell tickets, then there's no other way to do it other than because, I mean, you're trying to sell tickets to what you're going to put on television and give away anyway. That's not going to work. You know, You've got to you you have to you have to book it that way. You know where you're pushing towards something that they're going to have to pay to see. They may hear a little bit about it on the next television show following that. You know the show that you're drawing them to. They may hear a little bit about it, but they're not going to see any of it. Or right. if they see it, they will see very few clips of it. I just I think and that's the, the only WWE way WWE comparison do doesn't work because. They have networks bidding on it, and they are getting paid both from the network and by the sponsors to put on this television show. So really, the TV show is the product along with the pay-per-view, and even that not on so much now with the, the network. But the now the house show is just an additional revenue stream, but it's, it's – you know, you, it's not like the house show relies on the television or vice versa. It's the the in the main income is is the TV show Raw and SmackDown is is making all the money, and then everything else is just extra. So unless you could find somebody, you know, if I could find somebody that would pay me to put Twin States Wrestling on TV, and that's my income, well now it don't matter how much it draws because I'm getting paid for the television show. But when I'm going to pay somebody to run this tape. I got to make money somewhere, somewhere. I got to make, it can't just be, well, here we're on there. We're on television. That's the payoff because that, that doesn't put any money in your pocket, you know? And I think a lot of people, you know, Leslie's going to say, well, he's, me and him's had this argument a thousand times. And I'm not just talking about Leslie. There's tons of people who have put wrestling shows on TV um, that everything went across television and it didn't drive towards people buying tickets to a show. And when you're paying to put it on TV, where's the money coming from? You know, you, you're not, and, and the whole, you know, and I know Leslie's big argument, me and him would sit on the phone for hours and debate this, you know, cause I would go, so what's, what's the payoff? We're on TV. Okay. How does that put money in your pocket? And we go round and round and round and round and round. And his answer, and you, I'm sure you know this better than anybody, is ultimately his answer was always, well, back in 2000, we would pack the building, and it got good ratings. People want to see their stuff on TV. The only thing I can figure that's changed is it's 2017. With YouTube and all the ways to stream yourself online, I could click and be live on Facebook right now as we're talking. Uh, I don't think people are so impressed with seeing themselves on TV anymore. Uh, you think that's a fair statement? 
I, I think so. I mean, people are not enamored with it like they were. And one thing mm-hmm. you have to remember during that during the time that he was, you know, drawing, doing, you know, two or three hundred tickets for a, for a TV taping was when, you know, Stone Cold was selling, you know, was selling out everywhere and, and wrestling was hot. You know, at that point, you know, even the sea towns that they were running, they were doing sellouts in, in towns that, you know, the European Championship was the main event. I mean, that was just a hot time for wrestling. So, but, you know. Yeah, that was a time where Sammy Hall could pack 400 people in the Saltillo Community Center to watch Dago and Smiley fight each other. Or Pat, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, do you remember going to those shows over in Saltillo where it was like wall-to-wall people to just watch some of the most awful shit, you know? Oh, my God. But if wrestling was on the poster, they were there. I remember, I remember them bringing. They had put every chair in that building out, including the ones in the dressing room. The guys were sitting in the floor to dress. I remember them mm-hmm. bringing folding tables out and lining the walls with them for people to prop up and sit on. And like you said, for those God Almighty to to watch some of them shows. <laughs> I mean, I, root canals were less painful than watching some of that stuff. Oh yeah, not you only know, was there not was, a name, there wasn't five people on the show that could lock up. You know, exactly. But you know, it's like you said. You know, the WWE is a different beast because you know networks bid on airing their stuff. They're getting, you know, mm-hmm. they're getting paid to put on a, a wrestling show. You know, that's not the case. Well. I actually, I actually found out recently that TNA has been paying Pop Network to air their stuff, so they're right in the they're they're back down to operating like an indie promotion. You know, nobody's even paying for yeah. their stuff anymore. At least, at least, at least not in the United States. Now I know they have deals overseas, but you know, all all the way through Memphis, you know, even till the last Memphis show was ever on television. Um, when I, the the small time that I was there, the primary purpose of that wrestling show that was live on Saturday morning was to plug for another show, whether it be the Mid-South Coliseum on Monday or it was the South Haven Arena that same night or it was some show at the you know, Mid-South Fair or something. You know, they were constantly... Come down to Tunica. We're going to be at the casino tonight. Jerry the King Waller. Exactly. Uh, Corey, though, to his credit, Corey was selling advertising on that show and was making money for ads and was still smart enough to make people come buy tickets to shows on top of that. You know, people not Corey Macklin, uh, you know, and and shit on a lot of what he did, but the man was making money. You got to give him credit for that. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, but the thing was, he had a, you know, he was letting people into his into his television for free to have a crowd there. You know, he was trying mm-hmm. to sell tickets somewhere else, you know, on a bigger scale. Yeah. But yeah, he always managed to make money. But Memphis is a little bit different, but you know, because they were lit, Memphis lives on nostalgia. It always did, and probably always yeah. will. But you know, it's you know, I just don't see any other way than to try to build toward build towards some other show. Yeah, I, I think so. And uh, I don't know if it's, it's going to be hard for for people to pull that off. We've got a call. Let me see who's calling in now. Area code 573. Who's this? Hey, 
Hey, this is Dustin. Hey. I was just listening to everybody talking about TV, and I kind of wanted to say something about it since I kind of was indirectly involved in a couple of these escapades. <laughs> All right. Uh, What's up? First off. You were probably, go ahead, you were you were a little more than, than indirectly involved, but, but yeah, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> well, first off, if I had it all to do over again when it came to the Boonville TV show, you got to remember, I was a kid in college that wasn't expecting to get a TV show to start with. I called the damn network at 12 p.m. on a Friday night after being drinking with my buddies and talking about how cool it would be to be on TV. So I called WCBI, and I made a sales pitch on an answering machine and never expected to get another phone call. So then when they called me back, I'm this kid that's still in college trying to figure out, well, now what the hell am I going to do? But if I had it to do over again, it's like Neil said, you want to put something out there. You probably want to give, like, a couple of filler matches, but then you want to really sell the fact that tonight you come up to the show and this is what you're going to see. But the problem with that show at the time was it was booked on the fly because we never knew who the hell was going to actually show up. And it was kind of impossible to do that. But with IWF, what should have been done, since the main attraction at the time was Neil Taylor and Barry Wolf, I tried to tell Leslie Jones that we should, that we should have had Barry Wolf wrestle somebody else one week so we could show everybody on TV, here's Barry Wolf, and then sometime in that little place, have Neil Taylor cut a promo on him. The next week... We reverse these roles and then be like, but tonight you're going to come up here and you're going to see it at this place. You're going to see, where was it? Uh, oh, shit, I can't remember. Before we was in the damn soup kitchen. Uh, Good Time Charlie. Good Time Charlie. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> tonight, come down to Good Time Charlie's, see Neil Taylor versus Barry Wolf, because now for the last two weeks, you've got a sample of Barry Wolf. You can put him up against some jobber and tape it before the damn show. You got Neil Taylor do another jobber squash, and then let them two hash it out, and they've had promos and vignettes and all this other shit put up, and then don't air that shit on TV. Just give the results the next week and start watch, rinse, and repeating with some other shit. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I I pitched something similar to that towards the end, but, you know. Well, towards the end when we started running out of footage before the month was over, we had some of the better episodes of the show that people would tell me was like what it needed to be like every week. And all we did was I put an IWF logo on my TV screen. We hung up a curtain so you, and behind it so you couldn't tell it was being filmed in my house. We got Jackson Leslie Jones to stand in front of the camera and hype up what was going to happen tonight while we showed filler matches that was taped and already aired ages ago. And that was some of the better ones from what people have told me. And, you know, that that format is following the uh, – it's basically following what primetime wrestling used to do. They'd go around and film all the house shows, and then they would do the – they would film the uh, the stuff with Bobby and Gorilla and then just edit it together. Right. And, you know, it's like you said about doing an infomercial. It gives somebody that's a wrestling fan, most of the time, well – some of the times, 
nowadays everybody knows who, who exactly who they want to see, and that's why WWE's doing so good in North America is because they they've got everybody anybody wants to see. But you, you find out who people want to see, and you give them a taste, but you don't give them the whole damn meal. And that's my thoughts yeah. on that. But, but I, I agree with that. But I have one more All question right, for Neil Taylor before All I go. Right, go ahead. Since we're talking about shitty shows that was booked in the past, I wanted to know uh, uh, Neil Taylor's thoughts on a little show in Corinth that happened a long time ago. Uh, you're gonna have to you have to narrow it down a little more there, a little more than that. I don't know what it was. It was in some kind like, of garage. It was uh, they couldn't get the National Guard armory, and the uh, promoter put uh, security cameras in the uh, locker room so he could watch the boys undress. Oh God, I know what you're talking about. And that, we just we and by the way, we don't know for sure that happened. We had a pretty good idea, but but uh, allegedly. Yeah, Allegedly, that whole fiasco was that guy that ran that show. I, I don't know what his intentions were, other than maybe make those cameras work that were in the dressing room. But somehow or another, I got in the middle of of having of putting that show together, and that thing was a train wreck from the get go. There was no, there was real, not really no goal in mind when that you know to what we were gonna, what we were you know, directing everything towards, there was no, wasn't really much of a budget for that show, but, um, yeah, that, that show was a, a, a complete disaster, uh, from the get-go, but, uh, that is how I met Dave, uh, Dustin Bertram, so, I, I guess that was, uh, I guess that was, maybe that yeah. was one thing that came out of it. Was that, was that the highlighter? Uh, well, Dustin <laughs> dropped off. So uh, okay. that's, that's, that covers that. Uh, and that's why we're not taking calls next week, because I don't want people talking to Conrad <laughs> about shit that happened in Corinth and Boonville 15 years ago. So uh, you got a question oh. for Conrad, send an email, because I don't want somebody going on a 10-minute dissertation with Conrad about why IWF should have been booked different or, or you know, some <laughs> shit show in Corinth nobody remembers from back in the day that, I, uh i was i was struggling to remember that one <laughs> but i do remember there's been that. so many come through there you know yeah between rodney and uh the butler guy that was the plumber that tried to do the wrestling show the to the guy that he's talking about who i can't remember what was that guy's name i can't anyway i can't remember that to save my life but yeah i booked I forgot I booked that weekly show there for probably four or five months, and 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 <clears throat> weekly is that shows the show you broke different... your neck on? No, the the uh, the show that I did that on was uh, that was for uh, the the butler. That was for the guy that was the plumber. Oh, okay, I, I said that with my finger doing air quotes for the people who can't see me, which is everyone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You broke that was, yeah, that, was, that was my first. Yeah, that was probably my first legitimate concussion, though. Yeah, oh yeah. First time I'd ever been knocked. First time I'd ever been knocked out. And then I got to run in the front door and hit Bulldog Grains with a hammer in the head. And that was that was fun. I, I, that was a cool little angle because people bought it, you know, because you you took a bad bump out on your head and they really thought you'd broke your neck and you showed up in the CVS cervical collar and. 
uh, give oh, your God, retirement yeah. speech, and, and we attacked oh, and him. We, that was that was rude, wasn't it? That wasn't bulldog. That was rude. Wasn't that rude? That it was rude that I was in the ring with. Yeah, and we yeah. sold that thing. I sold that thing all week because that was right around the time the internet was starting to come up and the Hollywood Jimmy message board and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was, that that one was pretty good. I enjoyed that. Like I had nothing else to do with that show. I showed up and did that little angle. Because, you know, I, I had just left a few months before, and you had called me and told me what was going on. And you're like, I think this will even add some realism if you show up completely out of the blue for my retirement speech. They'll be like, wow, that's his buddy Gene. This must be legit. And then we both attacked and kicked the shit out of him, you know. Well, first I attack him, and then you act like you're trying to you know, get me off of him, and then you turn around and start stomping and pull that neck brace off. <laughs> that was, that was <laughs> yeah. good stuff. I enjoyed the hell out of that. That was fun. <laughs> But uh, anyway, before we before we steer off of tonight's topic completely, um, since Leslie's come up several times and in, in IWF and all that, um, I was going through some videos the other day, clearing some off my hard drive, and I come across that big long uh, interview I did with Leslie, the the Chief Heat TV I did with Leslie about IWF, and yeah. that is he cracked one of his jokes in there as he was prone to do a few different occasions. That was one of the more prominent times. Where uh, he made a crack about uh, about me wanting me thinking it would be a good idea if y'all booked AJ Styles and basically act like I was an asshole for that. So I have to just laugh at that now. I'm like, yeah, Leslie, what a dumbass I was thinking AJ Styles could have got over in IWF. Yeah, he's just he's just on WrestleMania hey, now. So. I, hey, I'll, I'll tell on myself. I was right there with it. I was like, nobody remembers who AJ is. I said, nobody, he ain't going to draw anybody. <laughs> I was right there with him. So, yeah. I, oh, I, I know. I was going to see if you'd cop to that. <laughs> I was going to see if you'd cop to it. I knew you, I knew you was. Uh, hey, yeah, the night he came out at Royal Rumble and everybody was chanting for him, I look at I look at Rosie and I'm like, yeah, nobody knows this motherfucker. <laughs> Oops, I'm sorry. There goes the PG-13 rating. Oh, well, Jack, well, see we just, Yeah. Uh, Anyway, um, so there you go. There was a a fun little discussion about promoting and uh, some of our ups and downs. Uh, I guess tonight was more the downs in our promoting experience. But uh, I don't know. I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping some other incarnation of of Twin States returns for at least one successful show at some point to where uh, where I can say me or, or someone using the name got it right. So we'll, we'll see if that opportunity arises. But uh, yeah, wrapping so up the uh, – with, go ahead. Yeah, with, with with tonight's conversation, if anybody wants to – if anybody's interested in running a wrestling show or have one run, uh, give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I we've, sold, you, yeah. we've sold ourselves so well. Yeah, we've uh, done a great job. But, you know – in all honesty, and I guess to put a bow on on that whole conversation, you know, it doesn't matter what you do, how well you do it, how poorly you do it, it's a gamble. Because at the end of the day, you can't make people come to a show if, I mean, you know, look at WrestleMania. The people that come to WrestleMania make a decision, I'm going to WrestleMania, I'm going to a wrestling show. And when it comes down to it, you know, they got to make, you know, they're going to make that decision. You just got to try to push them into making it. So, I mean, it's always a gamble, no matter how well or how poorly a show does. You know, it's it's a gamble. 
you know, to put on to put on a wrestling show. So, you know, it, it's not always about you know who knows how to do what or or what have you. But you know, if you put together the best show, you know how you put you advertise the best ways that you know how for the area that you're in. You know, all you can do is put your best foot forward, uh, which you know you did with Twin States. Uh, I did with. Uh, with uh, the the Corinth show that I did, you know, I, I did the best I knew how. You know, it's just a gamble. You, you never know exactly what's going to happen or who's there. You know, what's going to show up, you, you just never know. And to, and to illustrate that point quickly, um, you know, based on the shows you've worked and seen and heard of, what's worked and what hasn't worked in Ripley, Mississippi, if a guy would have came to you and said, Neil, this is the show that I want to do in Ripley. Is this going to work? Uh, the show that you were on Friday night, the shows you've been working, uh, would you have ever dreamed that that would have done well in Ripley of all places? Never. I'd have never dreamed it. But then again, on the flip side of that, Gene, you know, I've, the shows that I've been on, like down in Columbus, and, and some of these shows where these guys that are on the show are just completely horrible they look horrible. They don't know what they're doing. You know, you get there and there's 200 people there to see them. You know, I, I never would have dreamed that. You know, it would have drawn with the with the with the crew they had, but it did. So I mean, and that's the stuff that you, makes you, me you sick. Just, oh yeah. You know, <laughs> it honestly hurts my stomach when I hear that shit. You know. Oh, me too, because, I mean, you know, I did this show in Corinth, and two weeks later I go and do one of those shows, and there's, you know, 200 people there, and I'm just like, what in the hell? You know, <laughs> where did I go? Yeah, on? yeah, and then, like, like, you know, like Kevin that I work for, who goes down there to Wegufka and basically intentionally books a, a bad show for me and Tim Statham to make fun of so that we can sell DVDs of us making fun of this show for the sake of comedy. But in the process, books the Armstrongs and Jimmy Golden and has 600 people there. 600 freaking people. And they had no idea what the hell they were looking at. You know? And so then he comes back the next time and he has, you know, 120, which still would be cause for celebration for a lot of shows. Um, and he, and he's like, well, I don't know what, what happened to the crowd. That show happened to Kevin. Like they left here, not knowing what in the hell they just witnessed. Um, and so, and, but it would just make me sick. Cause I'd be like, okay, here I go to Piedmont. I've, I've lost sleep, stayed up late at night, trying to come up with what I thought would be the best card possible and figure all this out. I draw 25 people. He goes over there and just throws a bunch of crap together for us to make fun of, draw 600. I'm like, what, you know, I, <laughs> I just, yeah, I give up. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, wrestling fans are unpredictable. What any large group of them is going to like or not like is is often unpredictable. And and I'm starting to figure out that you know my taste may not necessarily be the same as everybody's, and yours may not be the same as everybody's. But if you're going to try to run a show or book a show, I guess you got to try to figure that out somehow. Or best you like yeah, say best you can, best of your abilities. You know. Give them a little bit of everything. Hope something sticks. Hope something catches somebody's eye and, and can be successful. But uh, I guess we've we've pretty much beat that to death uh, for this week. Uh, what you got to plug? 
Well, uh, make sure, as always, follow me on Twitter, Neil Taylor Brand. Uh, on Twitter, make sure to follow, uh, go to com for all of the current shows, the previous shows, the archives, uh, all, tons and tons of great stuff on there, uh, even before I came on board. Um, great stuff with, with Gene and a host of legends and locals, as per the name. Um, Bruno San Martino, the... You know, the Dutchman Tales, the Bill Dundees, you name it, they've been on there. So make sure and uh, make sure you go through the archives, check that out. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. That's probably the easiest way to get this show. Uh, if you have an Apple device, is just uh, go into podcast, search uh, Locals to Legends Wrestling Radio, and then hit a subscribe. Uh, we're also on uh, 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 uh uh, Stitcher and, and a couple other uh, platforms. So just make sure to search us out. We're def- more than likely we're if it's available, we're on there. So uh, make sure and, and, and search us. Um, NeilRealDealTaylor dot com. Be sure to check that out. Get some uh, uh, get the Memphis Heat DVD on there. Get a couple of T shirts on there. Also, and be sure uh, also the the um, uh, local to legend wrestling radio. Facebook page, make sure to like that. Um, you get all the latest updates on there uh, from what's coming on the show for the next week. Follow us on uh, Twitter, LTL Wrestling Radio. Make sure to give us a follow there. Start to get a little more active on the on the Twitter machine. Um, so uh, make sure and uh, check us out however you can. Uh, like I said, localslegends.com. Make sure to go through. Give us some subscribe on iTunes. What you got? What have you got to plug, Gene? Well, just the usual. You know, we got uh, King of All Wrestling Media on Facebook. We've got Vince Hates Us All as my Twitter account. Um, I uh, I've mentioned doing, a couple of times during the show tonight. What's that? You're doing better on the Twitter. I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. On, you're getting you're you're getting better. You're getting better. So everybody got to make I'm sure and uh, follow you on Twitter. <laughs> Please do. I'll, I'll, the more followers I see, the more motivated I'll be to to put useless stuff on there that you probably won't care about, but it'll be there. Uh, but you know, I've mentioned ten dollar ten dollar wrestling a couple times a night. I actually uh, had a uh, a nice conversation on the phone with uh, stand up comedian Ken Statham, who's my my co co host slash uh, co commentator uh, on those shows. And Tim, you know, he's a He's a nationally touring stand-up comedian at one time. He's he's kind of retired now and settled down in Birmingham. Uh, but he's he's a pretty well-known comedian. He's a, he's a funny as hell, and he still does sets over at Stardome in Birmingham and uh, hits up Chattanooga every once in a while. And I'm sure he'll hit up this new comedy club we got in Huntsville opening up. But anyway, t- Tim's a funny guy. and I mean, he has, he has worked with some of the legends in comedy. And I asked him today when I was talking to him, I said, hey, I, you know, we'd love to have you on the podcast. You know, we can talk a little bit about comedy, but I would love to have your insight um, as far as what your thoughts were when you show up to this crazy, crazy wrestling show uh, for us to sit and make fun of it. And 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 so we 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 ripped this. I don't know if you watched any of those links I've sent you, some of this stuff. Uh, but we we I mean we are pretty pretty stiff on these guys, and so we we ripped the hell out of them on the commentary, and then. And then the next show they book us again, and now we got to be in the dressing room with these guys that we pretty much decimated on the commentary. And so 
I don't really care because I've been doing that for years. You know, I've been being an asshole <laughs> on the internet and talking about people and then getting going and seeing them face to face and not caring. But Tim's, you know, Tim's a little intimidated by that. He's a, he's a comedian and, and to be in there with these guys, uh, having just, you know, made some horrible jokes about him, he said made him a little uncomfortable and the whole experience was really, really interesting for him. And then also too, for him to kind of make the comparison, uh, breaking into the wrestling business and breaking into stand-up comedy is very, very similar. There's a lot of parallels. So I think Tim would be a fun guest for a number of reasons, uh, but especially the comparison of comedy to wrestling. So we're going to try to get it lined up to have him on the show pretty soon as well. Uh, but if everybody could do us a favor, if you guys could, could go out there and retweet and share uh, this next week's show with Conrad Thompson – uh, we'd really appreciate it because, like I say, Conrad is really hot right now in the podcast wrestling podcast community. I think we're going to probably the most listeners we've ever had uh, to this episode if we can get it out there. So anybody that can retweet it, share it, uh, tell a friend, uh, anything you can do to put the word out there for this next week's show, me and Neil both would greatly, greatly appreciate it because, you know, the bigger the show gets, uh, the bigger and better the guests will get, the more fun we're able to have for you. Right here every week, absolutely for free. We don't charge you. And uh, so if you can just, uh, if you if you listen to the show and you enjoy it, if you can click a couple of buttons for us to help spread the word, uh, we would sure appreciate it. Absolutely. Hit All right, Neil, it was fun. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to next week. We're going to have a lot of fun with, with uh, Conrad Thompson, and hopefully uh, we can build a relationship with him that's strong enough that might earn us a, a – a freaking uh, trip to the Conradison. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> I can't imagine anything any better. Uh, maybe <laughs> a, a, other than maybe a, a other than maybe a shout out on one of the one of the many podcasts that he uh, he's a part of. That would be pretty That's awesome. True. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have him on here next week. Hopefully, build a relationship with him, and then everybody can uh, can blow up his Twitter feed with a with a hashtag. Gene and Neil to the Conradison or whatever whatever uh, kind of <laughs> hashtag campaign we can come up with. But we uh, should start a GoFundMe. Neil Taylor, we should start we should start a GoFundMe yes. account. Exactly, and we'll just tell him we'll pay you every dime that goes in this GoFundMe if you just let us come there, see the flare robes, see the belts, and and the crazy. God knows, you know, when he's probably got bruce and, and and lord forbid of him and flair ever in there at the same time can you imagine what kind of shenanigans go down at the mm-hmm. the conradison when those guys are there oh lord but that sums it up we're gonna we're gonna take it home uh i told neil before this one that we were going to try to keep it to an hour maybe an hour and a half but definitely not two it's eleven fifty four. so when you get me and neil talking that's what <laughs> happens but here's our special outro this week I dedicate this to our good friend, Jax, who called in earlier. I think he's going to love it, and there's a lot more where this came from. So we'll catch you next week. For Neil Taylor, I'm Gene Jackson. Thank you for listening to Locals to Legends Wrestling Radio.